live here in Washington, D.C., home of your favorite and best creatives. You are now tuned in to people that you don't know that you should know. I'm your host, Ty Westbrook, and let's get going with today's show. Yeah. And if you don't know, now you know. If you know, you know. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Here we are. We are back in the studio, and it is Marianne, your favorite chief creative economy officer, and for another episode of People That You Don't Know That You Should Know, and I'm sitting here with Bryant. Hey, Hi. Bryant. Hi. How are you? You're my favorite chief creative officer. Economy officer. Creative. Yeah, it's Economy all right. Nobody, nobody gets it. Everybody messes it up. Oh, man, I wanted to be the I've lawyer. been the chief innovation officer, which I thought was kind of cool. That sounds cool. But uh, I've been creative economy officer. I've been just putting all of those together doesn't okay. usually work for people. But okay. um, I like it because it's very European. Mm. It is. It's a very European title. Mm. But How this so? is not about me. No, We're okay, not here okay, to talk no, let's about, not talk about We're here to I talk can, about you. Okay, Brian. we can do that. So introduce our audience to who you are. Hi, everybody. My name is Bryant Brown. All my friends remind me to be Mo. Um, in the city, I am a owner of. I am the owner of BMO Productions, uh, and our mission is to create consistent and diverse forms of high-quality content for creators, entrepreneurs, and philanthropists in the city. When your friends say BMO, what do they mean by that? Uh... When they say be more, I take it as, I've always interpreted it as like, do more, be progressive, be innovative in the solutions that you're finding, be creative um, in whatever ventures that you're doing, just be mo, like just, just as it sounds, it's just as it is. It's a constant reminder, don't settle, don't fall. That sounds like a Hennessy commercial, but don't settle. Um, just, you know, continually push. You'd be surprised at what you can do when you push past what you thought you could do. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, there ain't no doubt about that. No. Right? I mean, no. I think that, that a lot of times our, our expectations and the expectations that others have of us have a tendency to drive uh, what we think we can and can't Absolutely. do. Which is very different from what is actually possible. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so yes. when, when you think about um, uh, starting the work that you're doing creatively and starting this BMO Productions mm-hmm. and all of the work that you're doing, mm-hmm. um, uh, w- were there moments where uh, your expectations of yourself uh, led you to have trouble like being Mo? I have very high expectations of myself to the point I think it's almost causing me like mental angst. But that's another conversation for another time. Yeah, but we could be having this conversation right now. We why? Could, uh, what, what, why do you think it, it causes you angst? I have a... Uh, I deal with anxiety and depression. And one of my triggers are um, not living up to expectations that I set for myself. Um, personally, I don't believe in impossibility, just levels of probability and plausibility. Um, so when, when doing this work and when starting like BMO productions, the expectations that I have of myself, I never reach them, which sounds kind of sad now that I say it out loud, but I never reach them unless like I'm really pushing forward. There are nights that like dreams, ideas, projects wake me out of my sleep, keep me from eating. Um, you know, so (laughs) this is starting off really dark, but, uh, the positive side of that is that like with that expectation of always having like perfection at the at the forefront, knowing that perfection can't be reached, it's always a process to try to do the best that you can at all times. And the best that you can is a definition that changes as you continue to grow your skills or your experience or your network or what have you. 
Hope that answers your question. Yeah, no, I think you answered my question. Okay. Um, and I also don't think that that talking about uh, we all struggle with things that we think are dark, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, and I think that that um, when you ask of yourself to do great things. Um, uh, it 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 makes you think big things and feel big things, right? Absolutely. You know, and, and I don't think there's any um, anything wrong with that. I think a lot of creatives um, uh, manage uh, anxiety or mm-hmm. depression or um, fear or all of this kind of stuff. And Absolutely. I think it's it, in many ways it's it's things that uh, that unite us, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, I don't think there is anything wrong with that, even though we all need to uh, help each other uh, with navigating some of those things, right? Like right that's right. why we need a community. That's why we need people to talk it out with. Because, exactly. you know, Yes, you might want things to be better, right? Like, and they will be better next time. But the but maybe better isn't what it is. It's about it being different. Yeah. Right. Because even even though that last show you did a year ago, maybe you only talked to to twelve people. Mm-hmm. But but rock and roll, those twelve people, uh, you know, you learned a lot, and they became the beginning of your network that brought you to the thousand. That's right? true. That's true. You know, and so that's a good thing. That's not a failure. It's not a look back at that and think, damn, that sucked, man. Right. I should have done better. No, right. it's like, hey, that led me to what I did this time. If I didn't do that then maybe I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. Yeah, that's a great positive spin on that. And I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Tell us about the show. We want to bring live R&B back into the forefront of the culture of this city. It has been like 10 years since we had a major R&B artist actually pop off or go live. Um, It's interesting. I just saw, I don't know if Karen Malachi is... Carolyn Malachi is a resident, but I, I've seen her around the city. She is the person I consider to be the, she is, she's the person I consider to be the last R&B star to break out of the city. And then I see her doing like sound gigs and she just did like a show at DC City Winery. So it's good to see her. But as far as the new talent goes, uh, I'm so grateful to be in a space with DuPont Underground. And uh, shout out to, to Chris from the Funk Parade who set this up, this meeting between me and DuPont Underground. Uh, but I'm so proud to, to, to start this partnership in this in this residency for R&B artists in the city because I think, you know, with like artists like Marvin Gaye, Stacey Ladishaw, uh, Johnny Gill, uh, Maya, Tony Braxton, so many like great R&B artists who are not dead, who are not old and gone, cut their teeth on U Street, 14th Street, 17th Street, downtown. They all got their first experience in the great chocolate city. And I feel it's just, it's just a little weird to not see that culture be as big as it once was. So I stepped up and volunteered, and here we go. So what, why do you think that is? What, why do you think it, it, it hasn't been as big? Well, I think there are very specific reasons. Um, when I moved to the city... 12 years ago, I was a freshman at Howard University, I saw what I would say kind of like the the tail end of the original Chocolate City. So that's like 2007. And then infrastructures began to close left and right, like your Bohemian Taverns, your Club Lives, all these little small places for R&B artists to actually perform. They started to close one by one slowly. Uh, and for about between... I'll say 2012 and 2017, there really wasn't a place for R&B performers. There wasn't a home per se. You could do Smith Public Trust. They'll give you a stage, you know, once a month. You could do um, uh, Marvin opened up at the end of 2017 to do uh, R&B performances on a weekly basis. But before that, it was really nothing. Like there was no consistent place. And so... When I go into the city and I see when I go into the city and I see artists like Michael Robinson or Blackstone or Alex Vaughn or Jenna Camille or Dante Pope and I can keep going and going Foots and Coles I can do this all day. Um, it baffles me why they are not 
like huge in this city already. When I see Blackstone perform, this is no lie. I don't work for them. They didn't pay for me to say this. I cry tears. It is that beautiful. Like just the way that they put the music together. And then, oh my goodness, then you research on who these people are. The people of Blackstone are like the little brothers and little sisters of the old go-go legends. Mm. Like they're still here. Like the the little kids that used to hang out with Backyard or TCB or UCB that started their own little religious go-go band. They're still here. They're not doing go-go anymore. They're definitely focusing more on R&B. But just to see that their legacy continues in the city. But it seems like the city just like just kind of forgot about them. I don't know. Or nobody. I don't know. I don't know. There are a thousand answers to that to that infinite question. Um, but the one answer I have is that on October 19th at DuPont Underground, we will be presenting Alex Vaughn, Foots and Coles, and 202 resident mate uh, Michaela Carlton, also known as Panama, Panama, Panama. So, yeah. Well, you know what's great about this? This is that you 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 saw a, a problem, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're you're seeing something out in the community. You're seeing something that 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 um, uh, that there's a gap. That there's right. a problem, and and your solution to that is to create this environment, mm-hmm. right? And that's what we all need to be doing, really, Absolutely. right? We Absolutely. need to. We need to, to look to see where, where where's the absence, where the hole, where's the, the space mm-hmm. that our skills can fill. Absolutely. Right? And that Absolutely. we can play a part in, in changing that environment, changing that culture, bringing something back, bringing something new right. in there. And I, I appreciate that you're doing something about that because yes. that's what gets me excited about creative people in the city are those who can recognize that we may need to make some change. We may need to grow. We're building. We're doing mm-hmm. all that stuff. But we're all going to roll up our sleeves and, yep. and, and get dirty in it, right? Like, we're yep. going to go make an effort ourselves. Absolutely. Right? Like, Absolutely. And I, I appreciate that you go well, out and you. and you go do that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, so when How'd you, you talk- get started? How'd you get started doing doing this kind of work, doing creative uh, work? Like, where's that inspiration come from? Oh, man. Marianne, I have been, like, I have been a fan of music since... I know everybody says since they were born on Earth before or when they were born, but I learned my love of music like early middle school. I didn't come in. A, I didn't grow up in a family where like we played music on Saturdays. It was real cool. Everybody was dancing. No, we listened to talk radio, which is why I have a love for podcasts. So I was listening to like talk radio as a ten year old. I used to fall asleep listening to Casey Keenum on his late night <laughs> show. Uh, he do like the top one hundred every night. Yeah. I never made it past like seventy though. I always fall asleep. Always fall asleep. But um, Listening to him and listening to his programming, that's how I fell in love with, like, radio. So when I found music, um, one thing that I noticed is – one thing I noticed, this is, like, in college. When you're in the room, when music is being made, you feel like you have a piece of that song or a piece of that art. And that equity, like, kind of controls your opinion a little bit. Mm. I've been in rooms where we've made absolutely terrible trash songs, like – Awful music. I was rapping. Everybody else is rapping. It's trash. But when I listen to it, it's like, oh, man, I just feel nobody can see me, but I feel so full and elated. And so I started taking that passion that I had for, like, creating music and coupling it with, as you just said, the skills that I have, the skills for strategic planning, logistics, productions, connections, creating networks, uh, creating content of just different innovative ways. I've always been very good at that. Um I started off as a teacher, so it was really easy for me to use those skills every minute of every day. And then I realized maybe classroom teaching is going to put me in the grave a little early. So I got out of that business, started doing nonprofits, um, and just started doing this, just started um, 
basically just creating content, creating content, creating content. And then in 2016, I joined up with a, a group of friends of mine. And we started managing our first artist. When you when you think about uh, it, if the entrance is in talk radio, what's the first uh, um, musician, right? The music that you can remember, like as far back as you can remember that you were like bopping to, right? Like what were you? My first two CDs that I bought were Big Willie Style and by Will Smith and The New Nation by Kirk Franklin. Um, I love Will Smith. And I'm not talking about the <laughs> 80s Fresh Prince, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I'm talking about the people that everybody called corny, Big Willie Style, Willinium, uh, Born to Rain, Lost and Found, that Will Smith. I love Will Smith. And I have been listening to his music and uh, forever. And I just always found him, yeah, he's clean. He's family-oriented sometimes. Uh, but he's a good rapper and he's a good storyteller. And that's what I appreciated coming from like, the talk radio side. I appreciated who can tell a who can get me to feel something right now? Mm. Um, and I tried the New York rap scene for a while, and I tried the 90s R&B scene for a while. I think I was just too young for the 90s R&B scene. I didn't get it. But Will Smith, yeah. That was, my f- that was the first artist that I feel like I went crazy for. And then after that, it was Nelly. Oh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then I didn't learn, I say I didn't learn, quote, unquote, great music to probably like the middle of high school. And I got really deep into like punk for a little while. Not for a little while, for a long time. I got into punk. I got into a little polka. Um, I started listening to country. And then um, I found like my grandfather's stash of old CDs, which were like your Luther Vandrosses and your uh, Anita Bakers and your Phyllis Hyman's and all those people. And that's when I found, quote unquote, black music. And it kind of like that definitely shifted my perspective on a lot of things. I love the diversity of all that list. Oh yeah. Right? Oh yeah. You know, because I, that 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 kind that kind of listening diversity kind mm-hmm. of really can shape it does. what your focus is, you know. It does. It does. I mean, cuz I I grew up on country music, right? Yeah. I mean, Indiana, right? A ton, ton of classic right. country music, right. Broadway music, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Wow. First, I know. Yeah. The first massive uh, memory I have was sitting uh, music-wise of sitting in the back of my um, our, our big uh, suburban because we did uh, road trips every summer with okay. camping and all that kind of stuff. That's so cool. And with my Walkman listening to Olivia Newton-John. Wow. Singing Olivia Newton-John at the top of my lungs in the back of the car to the <laughs> point where my, I know, to the point where my brother would like lean over and be like, shut up, oh, stop man. it. Oh man. You know, and my parents would laugh and whatever yeah. and you know, but yeah, that was it. Like I was just nonstop singing at the top of my yeah. lungs all summer hmm. to the same damn song. The same song? Wow. Oh, yeah. my God, it was awesome. Oh, man. I mean, I think back on it, and I go, that's awesome, because that's what childhood is about, is these embarrassing stories. How's your you relationship with your brother? Yeah, that's a whole podcast <laughs> for another day. But I don't think that's the fault of Olivia newton Okay, okay, right? Let's cool, not cool, blame cool, her. cool. That's not her fault? No, it's not okay, her fault. Okay, cool, cool, yeah. cool. Yeah, all right. Thanks, Olivia. Well, you know, what, what, uh, what, do you, what do you want to take away from this conversation? What do you want people to know as they start their day? Oh, man. Um... What do I want you to know as you as you start your day? Oh, oh, Marianne, I don't have to be profound. I'm, I'm trying not to be profound. But it can be profound. But I really like. I really just. I want people to be okay. Yeah. Like I just, I just want you to be okay with who you are, with your opinions, however they may fall, as long as they're not dangerous, like physically dangerous to somebody else. I want your actions to represent how you feel and the way that you think. The thing that kind of drives me crazy about 
nowadays, <laughs> the thing that kind of drives me crazy is this this idea of like this group opinion, this whole the whole Twitter mindset, this whole echo chamber that you can't have if you have a unique opinion or opinion that delineates from whatever the majority thinks or whatever like the majority morale thinks uh, that's just somehow like demonized. And I think that causes a lot of people a lot of stress and gets them to act in ways that are against actually who they are. Like as much as I don't like Donald Trump, if Kanye West wants to wear a MAGA, uh, wants to wear a MAGA hat, I want him to be happy. Like, yes, this is a destructive symbol, uh, you know, whatever. But I wanted him to feel like, yeah, I can go outside, I can wear my hat, I can defend my beliefs. People may like me, people may, like, may dislike me, but at least my opinions are true. And I'm okay with that. So when you wake up, as you're listening to this podcast or as you're going through your day, I just want you, I really want you to just be okay. Because you can't create, you can't inspire, you can't motivate. One of my favorite quotes that I got at brunch one time, you can't pour mimosas from an empty carafe. <laughs> you can't. There's nothing there. You got to be okay first. So before the world can like heal itself, move forward, progress, be mo, whatever, like everybody has to be okay with what they are. So I want everybody just to be okay yeah. It doesn't get better than that. Yeah. Thank you, Bryant. Thank you, Marianne. Yeah. <laughs> DMV, what's up, what's up? My name's Zeppelin Tillman. I'm the founder of the production digital media company Neo Elite and the executive producer of the Angie Ange Morning Show on 93.9 WKYS. Yo, here's somebody that you may not know that you definitely should know. China Keys. Listen, if you need a photographer for your events, it's nobody better. Instagram, made in China. We want to thank you all for listening to the people that you don't know that you should know. If you like our show and want to know more, check out 202creates.com. You guys be sure to tune in again next week for another episode of People That You Don't Know That You Should Know. I'm Ty Westbrook, signing out.